Praise be to God. So we are going to look at the meaning, the definition um, for the word reckless. So reckless is basically without thinking or caring about the consequences of an action. Example, reckless driving. I want to say it again. Reckless is without thinking or caring about the consequences of an action. Reckless is without thinking. A person is doing something without thinking or caring about the consequences of an action. That means you're doing something, you, you don't care. You say, I don't care what's going to happen, but I'm going to, you know, just do it. I don't care what's going to happen, but I'm going to do it. I want to take you to the scripture now to show what faith is and how a faith must be. Should it be reckless faith or not? So let's turn our Bibles to, I'm going to pull out the scripture that the Lord is bringing to me. We are going to go to Matthew chapter 17, Matthew chapter 17, and we are going to go to verse 20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now we have this entire section here before these two verses that talks about what happened to the boy what happened to the father, what happened to the disciples, and what happened to Jesus. There are different people here in this situation who are involved in this particular incident that is taking place. During the lifetime of Jesus, during the lifetime of this boy, during the lifetime of this boy's father, during the lifetime of the disciples who were there. Something is going on here. What happens here is very important for us to know in order for us to know in order for us to see what Jesus did and what the people did so I'm going to just take you up to verse 14 and we'll read from verse 14 and when they had come to the multitude a man came to him kneeling down to him saying Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, 
For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by fasting and prayer. Now, there are some things that happen when you speak. There are some things that will happen when you pray and speak. I want to show you the difference here as the Lord wants me to. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, most of you probably know this scripture by heart. If you don't know it, I highly encourage you to memorize it. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Whatever you're hoping for, faith is the substance of it. That means that's everything. And it's the evidence of whatever is not seen. Think about it. How can you have an evidence of something that you don't see? How can you have a substance of something that you're hoping for that you don't have it yet? That's what faith is. Faith is seeing beyond what you can see, but really seeing it. Write this down. Faith is not something you're hoping, you're expecting, uh, but you don't know whether you're going to get it or not. No. Faith is something that sees beyond what most people can see. Faith is having the eyes of God. Faith is having the ears of God. Faith is having the mind of Christ. Faith is operating totally in a different dimension, not in the realm of man, but operating from the realm of God. This is a deep concept that the Holy Spirit is speaking, and I pray that the Spirit of God will open your eyes of understanding to understand what God is speaking to our hearts today. You don't want to be at the superficial level because there are people who will say, well, I come to the beach and I just sit down here. I have my legs legs stretched out and I will just watch the waves come. Ice. But you don't want to stay there. You want to go further. There are some people who say, well, I'll go and stand there and let the water touch my toes. That's enough for me. You know why? Because some people are afraid. Some people don't know the joy that comes from it. So they say, I'll just sit here and I'll just, why I don't want to get up and go there. Some people are lazy. Some people just don't bother with it. But there are some people who say, I can't wait to just run into the water. Because they like it. There are some people who go and stand over there and they get ankle deep water. Some people who go there, who go deeper, I'm like one of those people who go and stand and then I'll say, we'll go a little more, we'll go a little more, we'll go a little more. You want to go a little more when the water comes, when the wave comes, where you want to go a little more. You don't want to stand where you have just a little bit of ankle deep water. You want more. At the same time, you know, like when you get further in, you don't want to be swept away by the wave and you use your common sense to know where you need to stand there. And at that point, you cannot say that, well, I'm going to be reckless here. It doesn't matter. I'm going to swim when a big wave comes. That'll be foolishness. Why? Because you have no control over the water. Unless you have control over the water, unless you have control over your situation, doing something 
that can cost you is foolishness. We have to understand. There are people who say that, well, I have reckless faith. I don't care about the consequences, so I do whatever it is. That's not what God wants you to do. Understand. Believers should not have reckless faith. You must have God's faith in what God has spoken. See how God sees. And your faith is more based on not only God's word that promises, but believing in what God's word says and being able to see that happen. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. You don't simply just do whatever it takes. I'm just doing whatever it takes. Doesn't matter what the consequences. If you think you don't, doesn't matter what the consequence is, then you really don't know what's going to happen. That's not faith. Faith will definitely know that this is going to happen. Faith will definitely know that this is the result that's going to be. Faith will definitely see something that most people cannot see. But God can see. When God told Abraham, when he was not able to have a child, when God told Abraham, when his wife was not able to have a child, Abraham was able to see what God saw. Therefore, he believed God and God counted him as righteousness for him. When Abraham's body was dead, when Sarah's body was dead, Abraham saw what God saw. When God took Abraham out and he told him, look at the stars of the sky. Abraham, look at the stars of the sky. Look at the sand of the shore. Look at all these things. This is how your descendants are going to be. Abraham was able to see what God saw. God is speaking to your hearts at this hour. Are you able to see what God is saying? You need to have God's eyes. You need to have God's vision. You need to have God's hearing. You cannot have God's vision if your vision is clouded. You cannot have God's hearing if your ear, if your hearing is muddled or muffled. You cannot have the mind of Christ if your mind is polluted. God is speaking to your hearts at this hour. If you want to really, really, really hear God, if you really, really want to see how God sees, if you really want to sense what God is doing, you must be holy. Your senses must be holy. Many people have asked me this question. Do you really hear God like how we speak? I say I won't say that God is sitting here next to me and talking to me all the time like how a human being is talking. No, he's God Almighty. He doesn't talk to me all the time like that. But there are times where God speaks to me in audible voice. Very clearly God speaks. But God speaks in different ways where I can fully see like a movie that goes in front. I can clearly hear what God is speaking I can see in different ways and hear simultaneously what God is doing at this hour. Very clearly God will say, pick up when you're so tired, when you feel like my body's hurting, I just want to lie down. It is at that time, most of the time God will say, call somebody. Now, at that moment, I literally drag myself and pick up the call. Usually it's late night if it's international calls. Very difficult for me to do. It's not like, hey, you know, I'm just calling. No, I drag myself and I make that call. But as I make that call, when I begin speaking or when I begin to hear, the spirit of God fills me with his power, fills me with his strength. Now, once that is over, the human body feels the effect of it, the pain, everything. That's where sacrifice comes into play. And God sees that and God honors that and God rewards that. But the point here is having 
the eyes of God, having the ears of God, having the mind of Christ can only happen if it's not polluted, if it is kept pure. The channel has to be really pure. You can hear God walking in the spirit is very different. I've told this to Pastor Padib too. If your life is dominated by the Holy Spirit, which God has given me the grace to live that way by the grace of God, as I yield myself to it, it's become a lifestyle. Whether it's grocery shopping or doing anything, I don't do it unless God leads me to my day and my moments are scheduled by God, ordered by God. Now, do I know what I'm going to do next afternoon? No, sometimes I do. Most of the times I don't. But the Lord will change directions. God will tell me to do this, do that, and go with the flow of the Holy Spirit. And it's very productive, can get a lot done within less time. The Spirit of God directs us every step of the way. But how can I have that hearing? How can I have that seeing? How can I have that sensing of the timing of God? How can I? It's not that, oh, I feel it. I feel God is leading. No, no, no. We need to know that God is leading. There's no such thing when you hear prophecies, when you hear God saying things through me, it's never like, I sense this, or I feel this, or I think God is saying, no, it's a definite thing. Thus says the Lord, God says it, period. Whatever changes we brought to the church and whatever the Lord told us to do last year, the year before, the year before, whatever it was, whenever it was, it was a definite word from the Lord. And as soon as the Lord tells us to do it, immediately we change it. Immediately we go with what whatever God is saying, because he is God and we are not. When God tells us to do something, we immediately bow down before God and say, yes, Lord, we do it. God honors that because it's the obedient who will continue to hear what God is speaking. Because anytime he tells us to do something, he knows why he is doing certain things. We just simply need to follow God, not play God, not be co-advisors to God, but to be followers of God Almighty. So when it comes to faith, faith is something that comes from God. Faith is a quality, an attribute that comes from God. My phone is shutting down. I'm going to take you to the scripture. Faith is a quality that comes from God Almighty. And when God gives us that faith, now I'm not talking about the common faith, that everybody has a measure of faith, which is little, which is, Enough to save our souls, which is very, very important, by the way. What God has given to every single human being, there's not a human being on the face of the earth who can say that I have no faith. No, every single person, according to God's word, has been given a measure of faith. When that faith has been given by God, it is our job to put that faith to use. That's why even you can see unbelievers outside, they use their faith in a productive way. They make Profit. They can live successfully to a measure. But when we have God leading us, now there is this touch of God, supernatural touch that comes. Where? When a person is born into the family of God, there's a deposit that is being made. First step of faith, which is faith to walk this walk of faith. Born again in the kingdom of God through the faith that was given to us, initial faith. Then there's another faith impartation that God comes through the word that you heard. It goes into you when you put it to work. Faith has been given now to take that step to go forward in that journey of faith because our road, 
the narrow road that we have to walk to go into glory is called the path of faith. It's a path of the cross. It's a path of faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. So the whole path is the path of faith because in order for you to take the next step, you must be able to spiritually see where you're putting your foot on. That's what walking in the spirit is. It's a very deep concept and I pray that the spirit of the living God will open your eyes of understanding to make you see what God wants you to see at this hour. In order for you to move forward, it's not that even though I cannot see, I'm simply going to recklessly jump in. No. The journey of faith is, it will see what God sees. It will hear what God says. Because of what God said, and I'm able to see what God has told me through the eyes of faith, I am taking the step forward, next step. I know where I'm putting my foot on because he has ordered my step. And because I know where I'm standing and I know where I'm going to put my next foot on because I'm led by the Spirit. They that are led by the Spirit of God, the Bible says, all those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Very clear. Only those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. Because we cannot be led by any other spirit. It has to be the Spirit of God. Note this. The Spirit of God will not lead you to a bar. The Spirit of God will not lead you into pornography. The Spirit of God will not lead you to an alcohol store. The Spirit of God will not lead you to touch a cigarette. The Spirit of God will not lead you to sit and watch a gossip show. The Spirit of God will not lead you to pick up the phone and slander somebody. The Spirit of God will not lead you to blaspheme God. The Spirit of God will not lead you to go and mock others. The Spirit of God will not lead you to sit and watch TV and not read your Bible. The Spirit of God will not lead you to rush your Bible reading so that you can run and do something else. The Spirit of God will not lead you to do something that is ungodly, period. The Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit. He is holy. He will lead you into holiness. Whatever you do will make you more and more and more and more and more holy. Even your day-to-day life, activities, must be led by the Spirit of God. Whatever we eat, whatever we drink, must be done with faith and to the glory of God. And whatever you're doing, you have to do it unto God, not unto man. Your daily activities, your daily living, whatever you're doing, must be unto God. And it has to be with the knowledge that it is an offering to God. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, whether you're in the grocery store, whether you're going to your workplace, make sure that you are led by the Spirit of God. Whatever clothing you wear, make sure the Spirit of God is leading you to dress in a way that is honoring to God. Whatever you're talking, whoever you're talking to, don't say, well, I'm bored, let me call A, let me call B, let me call C, let me call you know, all the way to Z. There are people who cannot sit still without talking. It's a disease of the soul. We must be people who are led by the Spirit of God. 
We must be people who are not man pleasers. If we please men, we cannot please God. If I think that, oh, well, I got to do this and I need to jump in and do this when somebody calls or I'm going to lose people in the church. This is God's church. It doesn't work that way. That's why I said before, if God leads, we call. If God says not now, we don't. Doesn't matter who stays. Doesn't matter who leaves. We serve God and church is his. Whoever God brings in and whoever God says stays will stay. Whoever God doesn't see fit, he removes them. That's what Jesus said. The plants that are not planted by my father will be uprooted. And that's a promise that God gave to us before. The wheat will stay. Chaff will be removed. That's the promise from God. And that's how God purifies his church. And that's how God moves us forward. And that's how God knows who are his has been given to this body that God has. So when we understand, we're not living to please man. We're not living to please any human being. We are here to please our God. When we please our God, the compassion of God is in our heart. When we please our God, he gives us what we need to do what he has called us to do. And that begins with seeing like how God sees, hearing like how God hears, thinking like how God thinks. I want to say this again. Seeing like how God sees, hearing like how God hears, thinking like how God thinks. These are very important. If we don't see like how God sees, we can make a big mistake. If we don't hear like how God hears, we will make a big mistake. If we don't think like how God thinks, we will make a big mistake. And that's why Jesus said this. He said, I do only what I see my father do. I speak only what my father wants me to speak. And from his authority, I do these miracles. Who was dominating? Who was dominating his life when he was on earth? Jesus Christ. The father through the Holy Spirit was dominating his life. Now, faith is a key component in the life of a believer, when it comes to being led by the Spirit of God. In order for somebody to be led by the Spirit of God, they need to know how God leads. They need to be walking with Him. Let me tell you this. If you want to be led by the Lord, you should not be led by any other spirit. Watching television that does not contain godly stuff is being led by a different spirit. Watching magazines that are not godly is being led by another spirit. Wanting to live like someone in the Hollywood is being led by another spirit. Not living according to the word of God, but wanting to be just like a heathen out there is being led by another spirit. Not wanting to be in the presence of God but rushing so that the service will be over, that I want to be out there doing something else, is being led by another spirit, because Jesus wouldn't be doing those things. Look at the life of Jesus. He's not going to say that, well, let me close the service early so that I can go and have some fun with my family, or let me just go home and rest and, and watch some television, or let me go home because I'm hungry. And No. The reason why Jesus did the multiplication of the five loaves and two fishes because the people were there with him for many, many, many hours. Many, 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 many hours. A healthy Christian, the sign of a healthy Christian is they will long for the presence of God. 
They will want to be at the feet of Jesus. They will not want to leave the presence of God. That's the mark of a healthy believer. Everything else is not of God. So when it comes to being led by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will lead us to where God is. The Spirit of God will lead us to the will of God, into the will of God, even if it is a wilderness. May God speak to our hearts at this hour. Faith is not a reckless faith, where you see that faith is reckless, so no matter what the consequence is, because God said is, I'm just going to do it. No, that's not real faith. Faith is, because of what God said, I know what the outcome is going to be, and that's why I believe. I know that whatever God said, it will work out for my good and for His glory. I have faith that it is going to be good. Not that regardless of what the outcome is, I'm going to do this. No. I know what the outcome is going to be. I know what the outcome is going to be. Job said this so beautifully. I know who I believe. I know this God. No matter what I'm going through, I know whom I believe. He had eyes of faith. He was able to see what God saw, even though he didn't understand as an Old Testament, someone who was way before and most of the Bible characters. Job had the Spirit of God. He was a prophet of God. He had the Spirit of God in him. He didn't know much of the spiritual warfare and all those things that now we know, but we have the Bible. And the Bible talks so much of spiritual warfare. Job knew, Job knew one thing. According to the light that he had, according to the revelation that he had, he believed God Almighty. And God was able to take him through the fire and bring him out as gold. He said, when I come out, I will come forth as gold. Job was a man of faith. No matter what his path was, he was able to see like how God saw. That's why his faith never failed. That's why even when his wife came and said, curse God and die, Job, what in the world are you doing? Why are you even alive? Why are you even going through this path? Why are you even going through this pain? Job did not leave his integrity. He held on to his integrity. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. Faith is... Seeing how God sees. Faith is hearing how God hears. Faith is thinking how God thinks and doing what God does. Write this down. It's very important. The real definition of faith is, faith is not doing whatever you think God wants you to do regardless of what the outcome is. There's no such a thing called reckless faith in the Bible. No. One thing we know, if God tells us to do something, there's a definite outcome. And it'll be for His glory. It'll be for our good. It'll always be for our good and it'll always be for his glory. Faith has a definite purpose. Faith sees the way God sees things. Faith hears what God says. Faith thinks like how God thinks. When we have the faith that God has, because we are walking with God, there's a transfer that takes place. There's no room for worry. I'm going to take you to this passage. And we're going to meditate on this for a few minutes. 
And I pray that the Spirit of the Lord will take this deep into your spirit and will cause you to grasp what God is speaking to your hearts at this hour. And when they had come to the multitude, I'm reading verse 14, Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 onwards. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. This man is coming to Jesus because he had faith. He brought his problem to Jesus Christ, believing that Jesus will heal his son. He is stating his problem to the Lord Jesus Christ. His problem was beyond human control. No doctor, no one on earth could solve this problem, including the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he is bringing this problem to Jesus and he's saying, Lord, this is what is happening. This is very important to be real and honest when it comes to reaching out to the Lord Jesus Christ. This man came to Jesus and he told what exactly happened. And you see the man come here and he's stating his problem to Jesus Christ. This is what is happening, God. This child is throwing himself into the fire and into water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. First thing is, Jesus Christ is here. Why did you even take him to the disciples? Jesus Christ is there to heal and to cure. How long am I going to be with you? Bring the child to me. I will heal him. Because the disciples were not mature enough. The disciples were given temporary anointing. They were not baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were not having the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They were given temporary anointing by God when Jesus sent them out, two by two. When he gave his temporary authority for a short time to the disciples, the twelve and the seventy. Now the disciples are thinking that they can do it, but the truth is they were not able to do it. At this point, the Holy Spirit wants me to bring Gehazi here, where Elisha is with Gehazi, and all of a sudden, the lady and the man who was blessed by Elisha with a son, their son died, Shunammite woman's son died. At that time, the woman takes the child, the woman takes the child and she leaves him in the house and locks the door, and she comes to see Elisha. She goes to him, no matter who stops, she goes to him and she says, this is what has happened. And Elisha says, I didn't know about this. For some reason, God hid this from me. God reveals a lot of things to his prophets, but not everything. We have to understand that. There are times when God will reveal a lot. There are times when certain things God will keep it from his prophets because God will want to reveal it at a latter point. 
That's reason. We must understand that. Only God knows everything all the time. Prophet knows whatever God reveals and to whatever extent God reveals, to that extent, God's prophets know what is going on. At this point, Elisha didn't know. When her son died, doesn't mean that Elisha knew already her son died. No, God didn't reveal it to him. If God would have revealed it to him, he would have known. But God didn't reveal it to him. So it is very important for God's people to understand that, well, God will show the pastor. I don't have to tell the pastor anything. If God tells the pastor, let the pastor call. Don't do that. That's not biblical, first of all. Pastor is not God. Even if your pastor is a prophet, he or she is not God. Never say that. Let God reveal. I'm not going to seek help. And that's pride to begin with. Be like the Shunammite woman. Get to where you need to get to, to get the help that you need to get the help. And don't say that, well, pastor has their own thing going on. I don't want to. Don't say that. That's another deception of the enemy. Send a text when you need help. Send the text. And then leave the rest in the hands of the Lord. God knows what to do. Throughout all this time, no matter what happened with us, those of you who had emergencies, in spite of the emergencies we had, God had us call you and pray for you. Those of you who have received those calls, you know. When you needed and you reached out and it was an emergency, no matter what it was, you would have gotten at least a line back when the Lord moved us, when the Spirit of the Lord showed it was a real emergency. Whatever you need is, never say that. God will somehow reveal to the pastor and the pastor will call. Don't do that. Because there are times when God will not reveal to the pastors and you have to go and do what you should do to go and reach out and get the help that you need. Like I said before, for things that you can pray for, you should pray for. Your faith has to grow. You need to pray and get answers from God. And God is growing you in that. But there are times when your capacity, what you have is not enough and you need greater anointing of God to come to raise the dead, to do the work that is impossible for you. Reach out at that time. At that time, don't sit back and say that, well, God will do it for me and see something go downhill. Reach out. This is why God has shepherds after his own heart for you. And if you are under this church, then you will receive the help that you need exactly on time. All of you know that when there's a need and it's exactly on time is when God reaches out to you and there's a breakthrough, there's healing, there's deliverance. And there's miracles that God has done. Several of you have received many miracles here that God has done for you. So when you have a need, when you're going through something, like I said, never say that God will somehow reveal it to the pastor. Well, the pastor prays for everybody. God will reveal it to the pastor and the pastor should call. It doesn't happen like that in the Bible and it will not happen here because that's not how God operates. It's like a child that says that, well, my mom should know all about me and I'm not going to ask, you know, when I need food, I'm not going to tell, you know, when I run out of, you know, crayons and color pencils and when I, you know, when my socks has a hole in it or shoes, she herself has to somehow figure out and come and ask me. Doesn't work that way. Jesus himself said this, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. That's the right way of doing things. And the Bible also says, many of you have not received because you have not asked. So when it comes to your life and what is going on in your life 
And God has given you his shepherds. And by the grace of God, no matter what happened in our church, every week we had service all through this year, all through our last year, no matter what happened, every single week we had church. When we had online services, we had online services. I was there. Pastor Pradeep was there. When we had church in the physical location where I was not able to come, Pastor Pradeep was there. Or I would be there and he was not there. You had, God has given you two pastors and at least one was there every single week. And God has kept us. This is like a church that has been fed in a, in a big way. Morning calls, fasting prayer, evening meetings, and lockdown period every day, morning and evening. And mornings you got double messages. Every day during the lockdown period, Pastor Pradeep will speak and I would speak. God has provided plenty here. No matter what happened, the care that people needed was given to them. So if you need something and you know that there's a need, that I need that, God has given you shepherds after his heart, reach out. It is your duty. It is your job. You need to reach out, care for your soul, care for whatever God has put in your heart. That you know, Just don't go into a shell and say that, well, God will somehow reveal it. It will not happen. So what happened here, God did not reveal it to Elisha and Shunammite woman came all the way to where Elisha was. And she said, this is what is happening. You know what Elisha did? He gave his staff to Gehazi. And he said, go place the staff on the child. Use this. Gehazi ran taking that staff. You know how Gehazi would have ran? Think that, well, I have Elisha's staff. I'm going to raise this child and everybody's going to look at me. And look, I'm bigger than Elisha. Only Elisha can do, I can do too. That was his attitude. He ran. Even though it was Elisha's staff and it contained the anointing of God. When it goes into the hands of the wrong vessel, with the wrong attitude, with the wrong spirit, it will not work. He put the staff on the child. It didn't work. Nothing happened until Elisha came to the scene. Until Elisha came, the child did not get up. The child was dead. Gehazi did whatever he could do with Elisha's stuff. Nothing happened. Elisha had to come in order to raise the dead from there. And the child rose from the dead. We see similar case over here. Where the disciples thought, oh, okay, I can do what Jesus did. And they tried everything they couldn't do. And now who comes to Jesus? The father comes to Jesus, the father, the child, comes to Jesus and said, this is what happened. And Jesus said, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long am I going to be with you? How long am I going to see this? Bring the child to me. Bring him here to me. And immediately Jesus spoke to the demon because he had the real anointing. He had the real power, which the disciples did not. And as soon as he rebuked the demon, it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. It happened right in front of everybody. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Now, they wouldn't be asking this question in the book of Acts after God filled them with the Holy Spirit. And after God anointed them, they had the real anointing of God. They were continuing Jesus' ministry. Now, Peter went and he rose. He raised a dead girl. But here, they couldn't do because they didn't have what Jesus had. That's the truth. 
They needed to be people who are fasting and praying. You know what fasting and prayer does? Fasting and prayer will purify a person. Fasting and prayer will make the person clear before God. And then it will raise up their faith level. Because the channel is clear. The disciples didn't have what it took in order to bring healing to the child. No matter how much you can say, declare, proclaim, and pray like how Jesus prayed, if you don't have the real anointing that Jesus had, you can copy everything, it's not going to work. That's what happened here. So then, what happens? Jesus said this to them. Because of your unbelief, where does the faith come from? Where does the faith to heal him? Heal a person like that, that epileptic. Where does the faith come from? It comes from the anointing of God. Without that, that faith will not be there. And that's why they didn't have that faith and they had unbelief. But surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, in order for a miracle to happen, we need to have faith that can move mountains. Faith like a mustard seed. Why is Jesus saying faith like a mustard seed? We must understand. There are different levels of faith. Small faith, big faith. When Jesus saw the centurion's faith, he marveled. There are places where Jesus would say, Oh, great is your faith. And then he look at the disciple and he'll say, What happened? What little faith do you have? When they were caught in the storm. Because they had the faith. They had little faith. You know what little faith is? Faith for something and no faith for something else. Why did Jesus look at the disciple and say, Oh, you of little faith. He didn't say that. Well, oh, you are full of doubt. No. He said, oh, you of little faith. Why did he say, oh, you of little faith? You know why? Because the disciples had faith in Jesus to wake him up, to make him stop the storm. But they didn't have faith to believe that if he is in the boat, that this boat will not sink. And they were not calm during the storm like Jesus, how Jesus was. Two types of faith. That's little faith. Little faith is if I go to him, he will do it. He will answer me. Little faith. But that little faith was enough to enough to wake him up to calm the storm. But big faith is, he is here, he is sleeping. So let the winds blow. Let the tides grow. Let the storms go around me. Whatever happens, he is sleeping. So we don't have to worry. He is here. If he is here, we're not going to die because he's not going to die. That's big faith. That's the kind of faith Jesus was expecting. And he got up and he said, why did you doubt, oh, you of little faith? Because they believed to an extent, but they didn't believe in the other area where Christ is here. Nothing's going to happen to us. God is speaking to your hearts at this hour. What are the areas you believe and what are the areas you don't? We have to have a real assessment, an honest assessment of ourselves. If you want to go forward, if you want to see like how Jesus sees, and if you want to hear like how Jesus heard, and if you want to think like how Jesus thinks, you must have Jesus kind of faith. In order for you to have Jesus kind of faith, you need to have Jesus kind of holiness. It's very important. Without a holiness, you cannot see God. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'm not telling my own statements. These are scriptures. So, you can hear a lot of messages on faith. But the bottom line is, a life that is pleasing to God, consecrated to God, a life that is a clear channel before the living God, a life that is filled with humility, a life that is open to the work of the Holy Spirit. God will be able to pour His faith into them. A life that gives priority to the Word of God. Not that, well, I read my Bible today. You need to live out your Bible. Reading is good because without reading you cannot live out. But if you just stop it there, I read today. That's it. You need to live out what you read. In order to live out what you read, you need to meditate on the Word of God. Only those who meditate on His Word day and night, not just day, day and night, will be like the tree that is planted by the rivers of water. They'll bring forth their fruit in their season. Somebody who's hearing this is, oh, that's what somebody's thinking right now. That's the Spirit of the Lord is showing me. How can I do this? My God. Meditate on God's word day and night. How can I do this? Well, if you let the Spirit of God take over you, if you are keen on getting the word of God into you, and not let other thoughts go into you. Block the other thoughts by putting the Word of God there. And keeping the Word of God there. You can do all kinds of work. You can go to work. You can come home. You can cook. Or you can take care of your children. You can take care of your grandchildren. You can take care of your spouse. You can take care of your cooking. You can take care of your laundry. You can do all those things. But while you're doing those things, you can meditate on the Word of God. You can talk to people, but you can still meditate on the Word of God. When the Word of God becomes a dominant force in your life, it transforms your thinking. That's what God's Word says. Your mind is renewed by the Word of God. I'm talking very practical things that God has helped me through His Spirit to practice For many years. It's not like something I'm just trying to practice and coming up with this excitement. No. It's possible to live a spirit-led, spirit-dominated life. It's possible. It's very possible. And the spirit-led and spirit-dominated life will take you in in a path that God has for you where there are no mistakes, no failures, Plenty of problems will come though. But every time, every single time the problem comes, God gives victory because the path is very clear. Whatever obstacle that is there, your God will go before you. If you have your God with you all the time. That's the key. If the Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is dominating every part of your being, you will have no time, no interest in gossip. It'll be really distasteful to you. It'll hurt your ears when you hear somebody gossiping. At the same time, it's not going to make you feel self-righteous and put somebody else down. It'll give you the compassion to pray for them and remove yourself from there. 
so that you can keep yourself undefiled. When somebody is watching TV, a spirit-led person will not sit there and say, well, I don't want to offend somebody, so I will just sit there. No, you don't subject the temple of God to uncleanness. It is your responsibility before God. A spirit-led person will be uncomfortable in an ungodly environment. That's how you know what is leading you. What are you letting to lead you? Important. A spirit-led person, a spirit-dominated person will not do or partake in anything that God hates. The Bible clearly spells out things that God hates. If I don't read the Bible, then I won't even know what it is. We must care to read what God loves and God, what God hates. With what I know and with what I put into myself, God will take that and put it to use. If I give this much time to God, then only this much I will grow. So it's no wonder if you're not growing is how you should be growing. Or the devil sometimes can come and say, well, I don't think you're growing. Are you growing? You're not really growing. Well, who are you listening to, by the way? It is important for you to follow the path of the Lord Jesus Christ. As long as you're doing what God is telling you to do. As long as you know that your eyes are dedicated to God, your ears are dedicated to God, your mouth is dedicated to God, your mind is dedicated to God, your body is dedicated to God, and you're doing the will of God with the members of your body, and you are sincerely doing it with your heart. It's very important. Very important. You can do it. It's not hard. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength, it'll be spontaneous to follow Jesus Christ effortlessly because he's a lover of your soul. He's a love of your life. And letting the spirit of God dominate your life is the most glorious thing. He's the victorious one. He's the victorious one. When you let him dominate every part of your being, it's victory 24-7. Yeah, you'll face a lot of battles. But you get victories. The more victories you gain, the more God will be able to entrust more into your hands. So what happened here? The disciples were not mature enough. They didn't have what it took to bring healing to this boy. And Jesus Christ is already there. He should be the one who should be praying for him. Bringing healing to him. But the disciples tried before the father brought the child to Jesus. Jesus had to address that issue. And then Jesus is answering the disciples this. Because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, this takes supernatural faith. Now, stand before a mountain and try saying it. And see how much faith you have. Try it. There is such a thing called the gift of faith in the Bible, which Jesus had. Jesus was someone who had all the nine gifts operating him to the fullest extent. The Bible says he had the spirit of God without measure. He was the anointed one. In order for someone to do extraordinary things, extraordinary faith is necessary. He's looking at the disciples and he's saying this. 
if you have that faith, then you'll be able to do it. You don't. You need to fast and pray. If you have that faith, you can do it. You don't. But you can get it. In order for this to happen, you need to fast and pray. This kind of thing cannot go by fasting and prayer. But did Jesus have to fast and pray to get this done? No, he didn't. You know why? Because he had the anointing of God upon him. But the disciples needed to. Because they were not where Jesus was. So he's saying you need to fast and pray for this kind of a thing. It's a strong spirit. But in order for that spirit to be subject to you, in order for that spirit to listen to you when you command that spirit to leave, you must have power over it. In order for that to happen, you need to fast and pray so you can receive that supernatural faith. You can receive that supernatural anointing to bring healing to people like these. May God speak to your hearts at this hour. Make, make things clearer before you. So that you can understand what is needed and you can go after that in order to become useful in the hands of the Almighty God. Now the disciples had what Jesus had. It would have made Jesus' ministry a lot more easier, so to speak, where Jesus was carrying all the load they could all could have shared. But that's not what happened here. Nevertheless, we see that happen in the book of Acts. The desire of Jesus got fulfilled once he ascended into heaven. He gave gifts to his people so that they can not just have a temporary power or authority or unclean spirit. Because when he gave that, he gave power and authority to his disciples for a short time over all manner of unclean spirit. That includes this. When these people tried casting out this demon at this time, they didn't have that. That was a limited authority that he gave, anointing that he gave during that time. And it was over. Just because they did something here and there, they thought, oh, we can continue doing it. But they couldn't. They needed to get closer to God. They needed to pray like how Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed all the time. There are many, many times Jesus fasted and prayed that the disciples didn't care about. They always cared about food. But then they thought that they can do what Jesus did, which proved to be failure here. So faith is connected with our spiritual walk. Understand this. You may not hear it outside, anywhere else. You may hear things that will just boost you psychologically to make you, I proclaim, I declare, and all those things. But if your life is not right, it'll all be like words bouncing on the wall and falling to the ground. Whatever you say will bounce on the wall and fall to the ground. But if your life is clear, and if you're pursuing the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and the Word of God is your priority, that your life is given over to God to be dominated by the Spirit of God. Did you only do what He wants you to do? There's no room for self. There's no room for self-motion. There's no room for, hey, look at me. Attention, please. That has to go to the grave. When our life is hidden in Christ 
and Christ becomes our everything. Do we live unto Christ and we are ready to die unto Christ? Not just over here. We need to be living every day for Him, which is dying to everything that is pleasing to God. It's important. Then you have power with God. Then you have that supernatural faith given by God because it's a treasure. Supernatural faith, the gift of faith is a treasure from God. Supernatural faith, the gift of faith to move mountains, to raise the dead, to cleanse the lepers, to cast out devils is a gift given by God. To heal all manner of sickness is given by God. And when that gift is given by God, then you will say to the mountain, and that mountain will move. It won't be like you just say it and say it, and then, oh God, I don't know what to do. Lord, help me, give me some faith. And, and then you say it, and then after that you walk around and, you know, you see something, and then your faith is shaken, and and then you have some question, you know, if I say it, is it really going to happen? I don't think it's going to happen. There's no room for that. When the Spirit of God is dominating your life, you know who you believe. And when you say, it's not that I'm just saying it because I don't know if it's going to happen or not. You know it's going to happen. It's going to rest on what God has spoken. Seeing the way God sees it. Hearing the way God has said it. Thinking the way how God thinks is necessary when it comes to walking by faith. And that's what real faith is. Real faith is seeing beyond what the natural eye will see because you can actually see what is beyond that. Hearing what you cannot hear in the natural, but you can actually hear what is beyond that human hearing. Thinking what naturally you cannot think because the thoughts that are coming here are coming from heaven. There is such a life. There is such a life. And I encourage you to pursue that because I'm living that. I'm a living testimony for that. It is possible. It is possible for every single believer who just give themselves over to God 100%. Consecrate every member of your body for God exclusively for God and God has to take full control over it. That doesn't mean that you're not going to talk to your children, you're not going to be with your spouse and it doesn't mean that you're not going to do any household work and you just go on a mountaintop and sit as a hermit. No. It doesn't work that way. Enoch walked with God. Enoch had children. Enoch had a wife. He had his family. He had his family responsibilities. In the midst of all of that, he walked with God. And he was so close with God. He had such faith. He was completely given over to God. He was somebody who never saw death, who just lived his life and went straight to heaven. Because he pleased God so much. A life that is pleasing to God will be a life full of the supernatural faith from God, will be a life that is dominated by the Holy Spirit, 
Without holiness, you cannot please God. Without faith, you cannot please God. If you have real faith, you will live a holy life. If you have real faith, you will know when I'm speaking, God is watching. You'll have that healthy fear of God. May God help you to grow in your faith this day. Move from one faith to another. See beyond what the human eyes can see. Not say like other people, oh, I have reckless faith. I don't care. And I'm going to just do something. I'm just going to go and just throw that away. I'm just going to go and empty this. I'm just going to do whatever the consequences is. I don't care. Oh, no. If God tells you to do it, you know what the consequence is going to be. And that's why you're doing it. You know it. What the result is going to be. That's why you do it. Not not just that, oh, even though, you know, the result is going to be negative, I'm still going to do it because I'm doing it for God because I have reckless faith. No, there's no such thing as reckless faith. Faith sees beyond what human eyes can see. I want to close with this as the Holy Spirit wants me to. When God called Abraham to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, Abraham saw beyond what human eyes could see. That's why he became the father of faith. He was able to obey and he was able to do because all along he was seeing something different than what anybody would have seen. He was able to see like how God saw. He was able to hear what God was saying. He was able to think like how God thought. He was full of faith. He never expected Isaac to be offered as a burnt offering and completely consume and go away as ashes. No. He had faith in God that God was going to do something. He will raise him up, even if it happens that way. In his mind, Isaac will live. Period. That's it. Because he saw beyond what human eyes saw. When God asked him to do something, he knew. This is what God is asking for because God is faithful and this is what God is asking for. God wants me to do this, I'm doing it. But I know that my son will live. Abraham didn't have reckless faith. Abraham had God's faith. Abraham's eyes saw beyond what human eyes saw. And his eyes saw something good. His eyes saw God to be the faithful one who kept his promise. His eyes saw something that nobody else other than those who have the spirit of God could see. His eyes saw something far beyond what human eyes can see. Question for you today is, what kind of eyes do you have? What kind of eyes do you have? Do you have spiritual eyes? What kind of eyes do you have? Natural eyes is necessary for us to see natural things. But we're not called to be walking in the natural realm. We are called to be living in the supernatural realm and dominating the natural realm. Only if you live in the supernatural realm can you dominate the natural realm. God's word says, having seated together in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. We need to be sitting there. But a lot of people are not sitting there. A lot of people are running around here doing whatever, whatever. I want to be pleased by anyone and everyone. So I speak whatever. I do whatever. If we are man pleaser, we cannot be God pleasers. 
if you leave your seat over there with Christ Jesus in the heavenly place and run around, you cannot see from there. You can't see only if you're there. Up there can you see what is happening down there, the way God wants you to see. If you are here, you cannot see everything. You cannot see beyond your human eyes. Could see. God is speaking to your hearts today. What's your vision? What kind of eyes do you have beyond these natural eyes? What are you able to see spiritually? How is your faith? Big faith? Little faith? Don't say no faith. That'll be a lie because every single person has been given a measure of faith. But your faith should be growing. The more you give yourself to the Word of God by reading and obeying, your faith will grow. You live out your faith. God will increase that faith. Take it from the natural to the supernatural because every bit of faith that comes from God is supernatural. But your walk has to shift from the natural to the supernatural. God is speaking to our hearts today. What kind of faith do you have? What kind of faith do you want to have? Anybody can shift from here to there because God has called you for that. Jesus died for that. Jesus died so that you can become just like him and do everything that he did, just like how he did. Yet we're living a life that is not supernatural. Just live like the rest of the people. Just go with the crowd. Jesus didn't go with the crowd. Jesus didn't. Jesus stood up for the truth. Jesus stayed separate. Jesus kept himself pure. Jesus had compassion over the people. Jesus fasted and prayed beyond those 40 days. We just see a little documentation here and there. Like how he fasted when he had to give the word to the Samaritan woman. Jesus was a man of prayer while he was on the face of the earth. Jesus was a man of truth. He didn't live to please anyone, his mother, his brothers, his sisters. Jesus Christ lived to please the one who sent him. We must live to fulfill the plan of God that God has for our lives within the short time that God has for us. However long we have on the face of the earth, we don't know. But whatever time is left, we need to continue to run. The race that God has set for us, we have to be focused. We need the power of God. We need the strength of God. We need the supernatural power of God. We need to run with endurance, with the grace that has been provided. By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. He began our faith and he perfects our faith. Jesus began our faith and Jesus perfects our faith. With Christ working in and through us, we can do the impossible. With the Spirit of God working in and through us, we can do the impossible. But in order for the Spirit of God to work in and through us, We must be clear channels. We must be clear vessels. 
Our mouth has be, our mouth must be consecrated to God and kept consecrated for God. Our eyes must be consecrated to God, kept consecrated to God. Nothing from the world should be in us. Jesus said, the prince of this world comes to me, he finds nothing in me. The enemy, when he comes to you, he should find nothing in you. When God comes to you, he should see everything that is of heaven inside of you. That should be the life of every believer. And then every single person can become a powerhouse for the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just talk faith, but really walk faith. Not just say that, I'll do whatever, it doesn't matter what the consequence is. No, not reckless faith, but a definite faith where you know, when I do this, this is what the result is going to be. And that is why I'm doing this. Just like Abraham. Then you'll have the power that Jesus had. That Jesus was able to do what the disciples couldn't do. Shall we close our eyes and look to the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence that is here, Father. Lord, you have given your treasures to your people. I pray may they take it to their hearts and meditate on it this night and tomorrow, the day after tomorrow. If it's a treasure that you've given to your people, let no one just let it go. Father, take this deep truth. Let it go as the yeast that goes into the dough, leavening up the whole dough. Let this word of God that you've given to your people, O Lord, go deep into their hearts, O Lord. Let the faith, like the mustard seed, to move mountains. Let it come from God Almighty by living a consecrated life. That they may be able to move mountains, Father. It's impossible to please God without faith. May we put that faith to use. Make room for God to do great and mighty things in the lives of your people, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Every word you've spoken is true. Every word you've spoken is true. Every word of yours is true. It is a truth. And we believe it. Therefore, we've spoken. We see it. And we believe it. We see what you have spoken. And therefore we believe it. We thank you Father. Thank you for the eyes of faith. That comes from God the Father. We praise you Father. Thank you Lord. Blessed are those who don't see with their natural eyes. But they see with their spiritual eyes and therefore they believe. And I thank you, Father, for the faith that comes from God Almighty to believe because you said it. We are able to see beyond 
what our natural eyes can see. Because we heard you say it, hallelujah. We can see beyond our natural eyes because we're able to see your word coming true. I pray, Father, that you'll bless your people this night with the blessing that you alone can bless them with. That they may grow in their faith to become everything that you want them to be, O oh Father. That each may become a clear channel before God Almighty. To continue to do a work of purging, Father, during this period of fasting and prayer. Let there be a work of purging taking place in the lives of your people. O oh Father, that they may be able to see and hear clearly, Lord. May they not give in to the lies of the enemy. May they not be tossed to and fro, O Savior. In the name of Jesus. As you serve and I pronounce your blessing upon your people at this hour. To be like the tree that is planted by the rivers of water. That they may be by the rivers of water. Planted by the rivers of water. And because of being by the rivers of water, may they bring forth their fruit in this season. Their leaves never wither. May whatever they do prosper. Oh, Father, may your word be upon their eyes, upon their minds, upon their lips, day and night, oh, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Have each and every one to have a spine to stand up for the truth. May their backbone be the word of God. May the spiritual brain be the word of God. May the spiritual heart be filled with the word of God, I pray. May each and every single person may walk as how Jesus walked the word of God. Oh, Father, sanctify our church with your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify your people at this hour with this word that you have given, oh, Father. May each rise up to become everything that you've called them to be, oh, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this glorious year of many battles and many victories. Thank you for this year full of miracles and full of testimonies, full of trials and full of triumphant victories. We thank you, Father. You're not finished. You're not finished with giving us victories. And we're not done with receiving the victories from your hands, O oh Lord. That we will continue to walk by faith. We will continue to walk by faith. And not by sight. And we thank you, Father, for giving us your vision. Through your word. Which is power to our souls. And we thank you for empowering us with the knowledge of your word. So I pray may your people be armed with your word day and night. That your word may give them the power that comes from the Holy Spirit to grow in faith. That they may have the faith 
that can move mountains to damage to do damage to the kingdom of darkness and to expand the kingdom of God to rescue the broken, the wounded, the dying, the lost, the lonely, the hurting. Those who don't have your word, the needy, the sick, the oppressed, the possessed. All those who need you, Jesus, I pray. May a church be a lighthouse, a bright light. May every brother, every sister, every child here may become bright lights for the Savior, turning many from darkness to light. Clothe our church with your humility all the more, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That only Christ and Christ alone be seen, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Riches I need not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always. Thou and Thou only, first in my heart. High King of Heaven, my treasure Thou art. You don't have to unmute it wherever you are. You can sing it together with me. Riches I need not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only, first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure thou art. Sing together one more time. Truly mean it and sing it from the bottom of your heart. Riches I need not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only, first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure, thou art. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence that is here in our midst. I pray that you bless your people, Lord. Cause them to grow in this God kind of faith. That they may see beyond what the natural eyes can see. That they may hear beyond what their natural ears can hear. Oh, Spirit of the living God, that they may have faith 
that will move mountains. A definite faith, not a reckless faith, but a definite faith based on the faithfulness of the Almighty God. Thank you, Father. That they'll be sure of the outcome. Thank you, Lord. That they'll be sure of the outcome. Hallelujah. Just as Abraham was sure of the outcome. Just as how Job was sure of the outcome. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. With his blessing. As your servant standing in the presence of God. Before the throne of God. According to the power and authority given to me by the almighty God. I bless your people. With this blessed thing that you alone can bless them with. That they may rise up. In doing what God has called them to do. With a faith that comes from God Almighty. By living a life that is pleasing to God. Having their conscience void of offense before God and man. That they may obtain the crown that is laid up for them. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Praise God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God the Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit rest and remain with us all, now and until we see Jesus face to face. Amen. Amen. Kichi. Praise God. Praise God. God bless everyone. Bless night. Look forward to a glorious service tomorrow. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I'm just going to stay.